Welcome to Leading from Alignment, a weekly podcast from Converge Coaching, where our passion is to help you lead better, lead longer, and enjoy it more. Hello and welcome again to another episode of Leading from Alignment with our good friend, coach, mentor slash tormentor, depending on what we're talking about, John Opolowski. How are you today, John? Jim, doing awesome. Good to see you. You too. You too. You making it all right through all of this stuff? I am. I'm actually doing uh, uh, pretty good. You know, it's been a, been a long haul for all of us, yes. uh, seeing light at the end of the tunnel, and I'm encouraged by that. You know, the problem thus far is light at the end of the tunnel has been disappointment. It's been an oncoming train over and over <laughs> and over again. So you're right. I think this time we are starting to see a little bit of dawn coming. So yeah, we're excited yeah. today. I, we talked about last week how we're going to be entering into this, this really... I think probably one of the deepest important topics, uh, leader or not a leader, that we can discuss. And, and that is developing and maintaining spiritual hunger and why it matters. So go just, just lead our hearts for a few minutes as we enjoy this together, would you? So, so Jim, if you're serious about getting aligned, and we talk about alignment a lot, right. uh, uh, that's actually the name of our podcast, right? Leading from <laughs> alignment. Um, a for real, a live relationship with Jesus Christ is a starting point. Yeah. Uh, and in Matthew chapter 22, Jesus was asked, what's, what is the most important commandment in the Bible? You know, what, in the law, just to be right. specific. And Jesus, without hesitation, yeah. says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Yeah. And, um, and so it, it brings me back to when I was 16 years old, Jim. Uh, I surrendered control of my life to Jesus at, at age 16. And uh, I was a, a pot smoking, beer guzzling, foul mouthed, angry teenager. And uh, other words, you, you were normal, right? For the 1980s. I guess, I guess so. <laughs> yeah. I guess well, that was the 1970s, Jim. Thank you for thinking I was oh, a teenager in the I 80s. wasn't born then. Tell me about it, will you? <laughs> <laughs> but I gave my life to Jesus at a, at a Christian rock concert. And, uh, you know, I, um, I, I, it was the most incredible experience of my life. I remember being, at the, uh, being there at the end of that concert and an invitation was given. And the invitation went something like this. If you want to surrender control of your life to Jesus Christ, now now's your opportunity. And I remember in that we were jammed into this little coffee house in Saginaw, Michigan like 200 people in a, in a room that should only have a hundred in it. And, <laughs> and I, and I said, Jesus, I surrender control of my life to you. And in an instant, I felt like a load of bricks fell off my back. And for the first time in my life, I felt clean on the inside. It, it was like Jesus power washed me Yeah, yeah. on the inside. And, and, and as cool as that was, and as amazing as that was, Within 24 hours, Jim, I had a Bible in my hand, and I had a mentor in my life. Uh, his name was Rick. And Rick, from the very beginning, imprinted on me how important it was to spend time with God every day, reading scripture, praying, right. memorizing scripture. And, and he taught me how to do those things. He didn't tell me, just go do them. Right. He taught me how to do them, and he invited me into his life and, and several other teenage boys into his life just to let us see what it was like to be a Christian in the real world. And, and so 
it, it's just an amazing, it was such an amazing time. So I got off to such a great start, Jim. Uh, and uh, this whole idea of hunger for God was, was given to me before I was 24 hours old in the Lord. Wow. That's beautiful. So not just born again, but, but a, a mentoring, discipling relationship, a mm -hmm. Bible, a friend, a family. Yeah. That's yep. huge. Yeah. So, so that's kind of the backdrop, Jim, for what I'd like to uh, talk about with you today is, you know, how do we develop hunger for God and how do we maintain that? And, and, you know, you think as a leader, especially a leader of a church, that that's just a given, right? That everybody who leads a church has hunger for God. Everybody who leads right. a church can actually knows how to do this stuff. Can I, can I approach that though? Please. It's like saying that, that a, a chef goes home and never makes a hot dog or scrambles an egg. Every, every time he eats, it's a souffle. You know, that, that means that, that means that a mechanic never has a broken thing in his house. Like they're, it, it's almost, if, if I, just to be careful, but I, it's almost the opposite, isn't it? If this is what we do for, and I hate to say it this way, but for a living, it's almost like what you do for a living, you don't necessarily do for a life, but this is different. Mm. This is not cooking. This is not auto mechanics. Right. This is a relationship with Jesus 101. And from that relationship, everything else come, flows, right? So if you, if you miss this, it doesn't matter how good of a teacher you are, you're you're really, I mean, this is what Jesus called an actor, right? A hypocrite. Yeah. 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 And you'll be out of sync. You know, it, it, this is kind of like foundational uh, to yeah, alignment. If we don't get this right, if this is messed up in our life, and here's the deal. It's not one time. It's not a one-time mm -hmm. shot. This is something I nurture every day for the rest of my life. But if I don't get this right, none of the other alignment components, Jim, that you and I have been talking about for months and months now. Um, come together properly without this one. Absolutely. Yeah, this is, this is the, what they call it, the old timers used to say, this is the spout where the glory comes out. <laughs> you know, if you, if you miss this, you miss it all. Yep. So give us, give us some, some thoughts then about spiritual hunger and why it matters, John. What are, you, what are your thoughts on that? So here's the first one, and this should be good news for everybody listening, is that spiritual hunger is not for a select few. It's yeah, not, it's like not just for the really super spiritual people, right? You right. Know, um, yeah. In Isaiah 26, uh, he, uh, the prophet writes these words. He says, yes, Lord, walking in the way of your laws, we wait for you. I love this. Your name and renown are the desire of our hearts. My, mm -hmm. I love, and I even love this even better. My soul yearns for you in the night. In the morning, my spirit longs for you. And you, 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 know, you read those words, you know, yearn and, and long, and you wonder, is that yeah. kind of spiritual hunger really possible right. for me and the answer is yes it sure. is it's not just for a select few few it's it's available to every leader yeah it has to be right the attitudes blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness but they'll mm -hmm. be filled taste and see that the lord is good i mean there's you know, when I was young, I thought I was a child, reason child, but when I grew up, I, I mean, there's, there's, the Bible's filled with all of these scriptures that talk about progressing in a, in a maturing, ongoing, consistent relationship. Yeah. Yeah, boy. I, you know, it's funny because I think we all know that one person at church is the really spiritual person. Yeah. And we almost think, well, there's something different about them. You know, maybe they're mentally ill. Maybe, maybe they have a special connection to God. 
you know, may, maybe I'm not really saved. Maybe, maybe they are, and I'm not really. I, it can go in so many different directions. But I, I think some people are more vocal about their, you know, their, their depth of spirituality. But I, and I think some people are, are deeper spiritual. But, man, if, if I, if I want to grow in the Lord, it's simple. Be around people that are growing in the Lord. Mm-hmm. Ask the questions. Listen to the answers. Form the habits, you know. And I know that's one of the things you have, too, thinking about how to maintain this. What are some of the habits you're thinking of? Um, you say the spiritual hunger flows really out of our habits. Yeah, that's the second point here, and appreciate you bringing that up. So, Jim, I know you're a coffee drinker. Yes, sir, I am. Yes. Um, did you have to develop a taste for coffee? I did, yeah. Yeah, me too. The first coffee I had uh, was in fifth grade, believe it or not. I was, <laughs> I was skipping church. That was your punishment as a fifth grader, and I went down to the local restaurant, and I'm—I mean, I'm like 11 years old. I don't even know what I'm doing, and I ordered coffee, and I remember (laughs) I took a sip of it, and I thought this is absolutely the worst thing I've ever tasted in my life. So I put in five creams and eight sugars, yeah, and and I was able to to tolerate it. But but over time, I began to develop this taste. Yeah for coffee. And, and, uh, so now I drink it with a little bit of half and half in it, no sugar. You know, I've just developed a taste for it. And, yeah. and, you know, I hate to compare hunger for God and coffee. I know that might sound sacrilegious to some people, but, but here's the truth that we acquire a spiritual appetite over time and through repetition. And soon it becomes as natural as our morning cup of coffee, Jim. Yeah. I, I don't wake up in the morning debating should i spend time with god today right there's no debate it's it has become as automatic as breathing for me as getting up in the morning and and i put in the coffee pot on having a cup of coffee i don't even have to think about it it just has become automatic right imagine a morning where you don't do that where you don't mm-hmm. open your Bible, you don't pray, you don't drink coffee, you don't, the routine. I mean, we get up early you know, where we could have maybe slept another hour or two because it's that enjoyable to spend, to begin your day. It's that productive to begin your day yes. that way in the word, highly caffeinated, you know, and before, before you turn on the news, before you, you know, before you try to interact with people to have that God time, man, it's right. how Jesus did it. It's one of the, one of the daily habits we see of Jesus. When right. he mentions a habit, it's not uncommon for him to be up before the sun or even miss a night's sleep to, to be with his father. How important that is. Yeah. You talk about drinking coffee. I, yeah. I was thinking about there was a day where I, I was very uncomfortable. Uh, when Dina, my wife, first walked into the room, she was so pretty. It was awkward. I, I didn't want to blow this. It was uncomfortable, but I learned how to do it yeah. and because yeah. she was important to me. I learned how to fight whatever it was I had to fight to build that relationship. It was, you know, getting the nerve to kiss her for the first time. It was, and I was sick to my stomach for two days, you know, thinking about kissing her and what might go well, what might go wrong, what, you know what I mean? But I figured it out because she's important to me. And I'll end the analogies there with talking and kissing, but there's a lot of awkward things in a marriage, but you learn them because the person is so important that you learn how to approach the person, how to please the person, how to interact with the person. It's, you know, that's, we, we learn because we love, right? You figure it out because there's that, there's that romance. There's that divine, beautiful waiting for us. And I'm, I'm not going to ignore her. I love her. 
you know, right. I ignored God. I love him. And Jim, if I could just say one more thing on that. Um, I really want those who are listening today to get this point with this uh, habits, the, you know, spiritual hunger flowing from our habits. And this is you, you and I can be intentional about it. Right. Yes. I don't yeah. have to go to a conference to get spiritual passion yeah. in my life. I don't, I don't have to have this amazing experience with God, you know, every so often in order for me to have spiritual passion. No, yeah. it, it's, it's, it just flows out of a daily. Yes. It's not even discipline anymore for me, Jim. It's a delight. It's just this daily delight of spending time with father, God. And, um, and it, and it doesn't have to depend on externals. It's just something I can create with him uh, in, in, a, in a habitual type of yeah. approach. You know, I, I, there's a phrase, and I don't mean it to be derogatory, but it, there's a type of person at one point, one stage in my ministry I was describing as a conference junkie. Mm. They went to the conference, came back all excited about whatever it was, demeaned anything that it, in our church that wasn't like what they saw at the conference. Right. Um, kind of developed their own little kind of sub-brand group of other conference junkies. And you could always depend on the fact that you couldn't depend on them if there was a conference for them mm -hmm. all to go to. It, it really, it wasn't healthy. John, right. I'm not saying those who go to conferences aren't healthy. I'm not saying that at all. But I, but you're saying that those who, who are in the word every day, those that you know are consistent in prayer, those who love God, love their neighbor, you know, love to use their giftings. They're, those are the fathers and mothers. Those aren't the crazy uncles, you know, and, and the crazy cousins. Those, those, and, and that's where we need more fathers and mothers in the body of Christ. Yes, we, do. we just do. And I, I do appreciate the cheerleaders. I do appreciate the crazy people. I, I, I pride myself on being one of them from time to time. But, but more important than being the guy with the latest and greatest agenda or fad or conference or, you know, just being the guy that shows up on time every time. That, that's reliable, that loves the Lord, that loves his spouse, that loves his kids, that, that guy is changing the world. And if he wants to go to a conference, so be it. But yeah, the people that need to get high, you know, that, that need to get, you know, they, they're, they're junkies in the sense that they've got to get it again and again and again. Something, I'm not saying they're wrong to go to a, to a conference, but I am saying there's something sure. unhappy about needing a conference to have a relationship with God. We weren't Absolutely. created to need the high, we were created to need him. And there are highs and there are lows in, in needing him. Yeah. I love this next thought. I am looking at your notes now, but the, how contagious being hungry is. Yeah. Um, so, so uh, that, that's actually our fourth one, but I'll go with that. And then we'll, we'll peel back to the third one there, Jim. Um, yeah. Hunger for God is contagious. Now, why does that matter for a leader? Why is that important for a leader? Well, you know, in John seven, um, we read these words. It says, on the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood up and said in a loud, and I like that he says, says this in a loud voice. Um, and I think that adds a little emphasis to it, right? If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water, this is amazing, will flow from within him. And by this, he meant the spirit whom those who had believed in him had, were later to receive. And so Jesus gives us this picture, right, of streams of living water just overflowing. And, and, and I think what he's saying there is, in other words, so, so spiritual hunger and passion is never self-contained. It, it right. never stays within right. me. Right. It yeah, spills over 
it yeah. spills over onto those near us. So think about that from a leadership perspective, Jim, as a, as a spiritual leader, let's use that. We, you know, we want our people to encounter God. We want our people to work on a good relationship with the Lord. But one of the primary ways that that will uh, happen is when that's happening in my life. So the people I'm leading are positively impacted uh, when I develop spiritual hunger. Yes. Yeah, I, I agree. You think about the people that make a difference, they are spiritually hungry. Yeah. You know, you, I think about my favorite teacher in school. I don't know who the smartest teacher was. I don't know who had the most degrees. I don't know, who that, but I know who was the most passionate. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I know the guy that comes in dressed like George Washington is passionate about teaching kids history. The person that understands as a, as a junior high school boy, I need something to explode before I'm interested in science class. They're, you know what I mean? <laughs> if they were passionate, I was passionate. And if they weren't, then it was all Greek. It, it didn't yeah. matter. Right on. So going back to that one, though, that spiritual hunger flows out of our habits. We talked about spiritual hunger grows when we share our story. Tell us what you mean by that. Yeah, so that, that would be our fourth one. So telling, Jim, telling our conversion story fuels spiritual hunger. And leaders tend to forget that uh, because, hey, I'm leading a church now, and I talk to people about God all the time. I'm not talking about sharing our story necessarily from the platform to yeah. thousands of people, although that's great and that's fine. Sure. I have, here's what I have in mind here. It's that one-on-one -on -one where I've got yeah. some people in my life who are on a journey, they're searching. And every time I tell them my story, I get, I get teleported back yeah. to that little yeah. coffee house in Saginaw. Yeah. That first love. And I feel the feelings. I feel the emotion. Yeah. Of yeah. it, I feel the I feel the gratitude of what Jesus did for me in that moment, and I feel that over and over and over again. And so, David said in Psalm sixty-three, David, one of the most passionate people uh, in all of the Bible, said, "My lips will glorify you." So, telling your story, man. If you're a leader, don't neglect this part of developing spiritual hunger. Find some people who don't know Jesus and tell them your story. Build a friendship with them and tell them your story. Now you're talking about, you know, why it matters, spiritual hunger and why it matters. Why does yeah. spiritual hunger matter? Like why should those that are listening really, really care? I, I mean, I think we do. I know we do. But why? why? Why should this be so important to us? So let me give you a scripture and then a final thought on that, Jim. Uh, Revelation 2, 1 through 4 says this to the angel of the church in Ephesus write, these are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your deeds, this is significant, your hard work and your perseverance. Those are all good things, right? I yeah. know that you cannot tolerate wicked men, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not. And he goes on and on and on, just all these accolades, right? But he ends it with this, yet I hold this against you, you have forsaken your first love. Yeah. So here's why it matters. You can do a lot of the right things, but neglect the most important thing. Yeah. And that's love for God. Yeah. Yeah. That's why it matters. Jim. We can fool ourselves into thinking um, we're close to God because he's using us. And I think about Samson. Yeah. You know, God used Samson, but he was nowhere near close to God. 
Sure. And so just because God mm -hmm. is using me to lead an organization and it's growing and people are being blessed and helped and whatever, that doesn't guarantee that I love Jesus and that my well, love for I'm Jesus thinking of Matthew hold. 7, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons? And, you know, didn't we do all these great things? We used your name and great stuff happened. He goes, yeah, but that's not the problem. The problem was there was never an intimacy between the two of us. You, right. you used my name and that's good, but you didn't know, you didn't know the one who gave you that name. That's bad. And yeah. that's the issue is that intimacy, isn't it? That's right. I think about it back to the marriage analogy, John. You know, if my wife goes, hey, what do you want? I do your laundry. You know, I, we go on date nights. I hold your hand. I talk to you. You know, I keep the house clean. You know, what's wrong? It's like, well, I, I didn't marry you because I wanted a house cleaner. <laughs> I married you because I love you. I wanted, yeah. I wanted not just spend time together like, okay, are we done? But, you know, it's our date night. I'm finished. I can go watch my TV show now. It would be, that would be hurtful. That would hurt our marriage, doing all the right things, but for none of the right reasons, as if doing those things is what marriage really is. It's not. What marriage is, is holding hands in silence or, you know, laughing at inside jokes. It's being, it's relational and it? it's friendship. It's yeah. romance, it's passion, but it's, it's so much more than those words are describing. And I think the same is true of our walk with the Lord. Huh. So spiritual passion is available to every leader. It flows from our habits. It grows when we share the story of our conversion with others. It spills over its banks and positively impacts those that are around us. John, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Thank you for that. So our time has expired, but I do want to hear about our next podcast because, again, as we kind of emerge from, from these things and the, as the weather's getting warm now and activities are going on, what's, what's our next podcast about? So Jim, it's going to be about the impact of physical fitness on your leadership. Um, when I talk about physical fitness with leaders, I never get an amen. <laughs> but I believe this, that we can serve God and others better when we're fit. And so that's what we're going to deal with in the next spot. I love it. I dread it. I hope to make some changes before it so I'm not convicted by it, along with everybody else. <laughs> amen. Well, John, thank you as always. These insights are so valuable, so important, and we are, we are better leaders because of it. And uh, as always... I know if we want to get a hold of you, convergecoach.com is the way to, to reach out, to have to start a conversation, to contact you, to ask a question, to get an answer, uh, to make a new friend, um, for a listening ear, uh, to get help with our ministries, our marriages. I mean, you if you don't do it, you know somebody who does. And for that, we are grateful to you, helping us to lead better and, and be happier and lead longer uh, than we would have without your help. So God bless you on behalf of all the listeners. John Opaluski, myself, and all the Converge team, we are so glad that you joined us today, and we look forward to talking to you again in the near future. So get out there and run some laps. You're not guilty when you're here.